HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. coming to you from Hudson Valley on a beautiful sunny day. The snow is melting here, and I am joined by a hopefully equally sunny Alice McGeary in Ames, Iowa. Alice, are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. Um, I am happy to announce once again that this show is brought to you thanks to Hearst Family Ranch, grass-fed beef from California, um, and we're here once again on this Thursday afternoon to talk about young farmers here, there, and everywhere. And Alice is in Iowa, and she has been running a program um, at the Mustard Seed um, Farm. Could you introduce your, your project to us, please, Alice? Um, sure. We are a small um, vegetable farm. We are not certified organic, but we grow organically, and we are a cooperative team of um, kind of, well, mostly young people, but miscellaneous aged people, and we are we are trying to make make food for everyone, I guess, and um, so we sell some of our food and we give away some of our food, and then. We are all volunteers, so we also give a lot of food to our workers. And yeah, we are growing food on about one acre. So you're you're a small farm, and you're um, you're informed by your own background, which is with the Catholic Worker Movement, is what I understand. Would you yeah, would you correct. catch us up on that? Pardon? Would you mind telling us um, how the Catholic Worker Movement plays into what you're doing? Yeah, I can. Um, The Catholic Worker Movement is something most people haven't heard of. 
so I think it's hard to give a real good explanation of it in a, in a quick amount of time, but it is a movement that started in the 30s, and it started by, um, with Dorothy Day and Peter Morin, and it was um, during the Depression, and it was kind of um, started as a newspaper in New York, and they were trying to take the social justice teachings of the gospel and of the Catholic Church and put them into print for everybody to learn about. It was something that most people didn't know much about. Even practicing Catholics didn't know a lot about the social justice teachings. And it was things like, um, you know, sharing what you have with the poor and welcoming the stranger and practicing the works of mercy. And from that paper, there started a house of hospitality in New York, and now there are a lot of houses of hospitality all over the U.S. and also some around the world. And there are some Catholic worker farms, and that was part of the vision was this going back to the land and growing what you eat and um, eating what you grow. And is definitely a principle in the Catholic worker movement, which is about doing good things because they're good and not because you're getting paid for them. So that's one of the principles of our of our farm is why we why no one gets paid and yeah, why we why we structure things the way we do. Does that well, make sense? And a lot of people a lot of farmers this year, even in the dairy industry, who maybe don't have that um Catholic worker background are are themselves doing something good and not getting paid. So it's <laughs> Right. It's good to have that um, to have that armature um, of a philosophical background to to the practice um, to prepare you for that economic reality. Yeah. And and how does that how does that play out with your membership? Do you have a, a CSA or how do you how do you structure your finances so that you do have money for tools and equipment and um, transportation and stuff, stuff like that? Right. We we split our finances in thirds, and so it's it's just a basic goal is that we are trying to sell a third of the food we grow, and we are trying to give away a third to nearby shelters and um, like there's a soup kitchen that we give a lot of our food to, and then a third to our workers, and then from the third that we sell, and most of our CSA are paying members, and from that money, that's what we use to buy our our tools, and we've been slowly trying to improve the buildings and the sort of infrastructure on our farm. We don't own our farm. We're just renting, but we are trying to um, make it so that our workers can can live there and have some of the basic things like um, like... I don't know, clean water to drink and um, shelter from storms and things like that. So that's the money, our CSA money is what we are using to do those things, and just a little bit at a time. And will you describe um, what your, where the surrounds of your farm, like what's just immediately around your farm and what's the kind of landscape matrix and um, kind of typical farm size and typical farm economy Directly around your farm and in the surrounding the surrounding townships. Okay. Ames is a university town, right? 
Yes, it is. We are about 15 miles outside of Ames, so um, it's very rural. And we are in the middle of Iowa, and the farmland is very good. Um, the generally the farm the the land is pretty pretty level, and let's see, um, it's just really really good high quality soil. Um, a lot of our neighbors are growing corn and beans. A lot of big conventional farms. We are in the kind of in the middle of a of a conventional farm. We're in the middle of 160 acres. So on the east of us is corn and beans. And then to the west of us, there's a a pretty big creek. And so our piece of land turns into pasture and then forest and then creek. And we are on the old homestead. So so actually on three sides of us, we we have pasture and trees and grapes and you know, it's very, very nice protection, and that's also the windward side, so that's nice. But on the east, we have corn and beans, and most of our neighbors are corn and bean farmers, a little bit of cattle, um, and some people who are kind of have moved out to the country from the university. So you're, you have a nice buffer on those three sides, and, and how did you figure out um, that, that situation with Lynn, or how did you kind of connect and, and organize your um, agreement with him or her? Um, sorry, it's a little hard to hear you, but... Oh, sorry. I was asking about how you organized your arrangement with the landowner. Yeah, it was, it was very, very hard to find land. Um, um, because the land is really high quality, there are not a lot of... We, we were looking for land that had a house. And we did not find a land that we could, any land we could rent that had a house. So we, and it was also very hard to find any land that we could rent that didn't have a house. So we we were very lucky. We, um, I just was looking around a lot and called a lot of people. But I did find a place that has two wells and some buildings, most of which are being used by our landlord. Um, and so, and I called a lot of people, and a lot of people just said no. They they didn't want to take anything out of corn and beans, and I and it's hard for them to take land out of corn and beans, um, and put it into vegetables. So we needed to find something that was not already cultivated, and um, and our landlords are are really cool. Um, I think they are willing to try something weird, and they they seem to like us, and so the first year we just had a one-year um, cash rent on the one acre, and then the second year I think they just decided that they liked us, and we are pretty good tenants, and um, we do take care of the place, and so then we signed a five-year lease with the family, um, and our landlord actually did die this year, so... Um, so we still have a four-year lease with the family, and um, we're sad to see her go. She was a super cool lady because she grew up on the farm that we we are on. But um, I'm hoping they they say they like us and they'd like us to stay as long as we want. So I'm hoping that they keep liking us. <laughs> and have you had people come out um, from from the town? Uh, do they come out? To help out and learn what you're doing, and um, are there is there another like a community of other small farm 
project or community farm projects that you're in connection with, or do you are you kind of the the, the smallest fish in the in the in the, in the game? No, we are, we're really connected with lots of wonderful farmers, um, and that's that's been super to have a number of people nearby that we can call and will give us advice, and sometimes come out and help us. Um, and then there are a lot of a lot of people that that care about local food in the area, partly because there's a university, but I, I just think that there's a real strong farming ethic. So. Um, we we do. We get a lot of help from church groups and um, just different churches. And, um, yeah, there's a sustainable agriculture program at Iowa State, so there are students there who help us. I think I think we're really well connected, and I'm I'm super grateful for that. So so assuming you get to keep your land, and it sounds like you're definitely going to be on for next year. Mm-hmm. Where where what has your two years of doing this project taught you about managing a community farm, and what are you what are you going to do differently next year, or what lessons have you learned that you might want to share with folks who are thinking along similar lines? Okay. Also, in terms of your own personal sustainability. Again, I, I didn't hear that. Sorry. Also, in terms of your uh, own personal sustainability. Okay. Um, well, some things that I've learned, I... I really, I really love our economic model. I find it to be really empowering and freeing um, to not be motivated by money, but to just be motivated by the things I love doing and the things that I believe in. And um, and I feel I've, I've been really lucky to be working with a team of other people who feel similarly, but I've definitely... Um, know that it is also really hard. It it is. Um, I think most people aren't as excited about working for free <laughs> as I am, <laughs> and so uh, I definitely know that our workforce is is sometimes um, not reliable, or people there's just people have changes in their life or even in their day that make it so that they think they can do stuff, but they end up not. And so I guess this is, you know, to share with the, you know, any other, anybody else who's starting a farm, it's, it's really amazing. Like I thought I needed to have a ton of money to be able to buy land, but to be able to rent land, renting um, farmland is, is really affordable. And then, you know, we started with $200, you know, and that's what the money that we had to start this project and we are, we've been able to produce, you know, like $15,000 worth of food this year and, you know, similar last year. But, again, since we don't pay people, sometimes we don't have any workers. And, um, and I, I, <laughs> it's, not, it's not an easy solution. I keep looking for people, I guess, who are more dedicated to voluntary simplicity like I am, um, and we, you know, and a lot of people on our team have changed this year because um, they've gotten, they've just got professional jobs and they moved on with their life. So we are looking for new people next year. Um, and I, I don't know what to do differently next year except that hope that we can have a wider volunteer base so that when somebody can't come, 
we've got somebody who could come in their place. Um, well, and even if it's not the um, kind of extreme example, which, which is what you're doing where people really aren't paid at all, even mm-hmm. if it's just the, the problem of that farm work in general is pretty badly paid, over, you know, um, across the country, yeah. that, is, that does seem to be a major issue for a lot of people coming in is figuring out how to organize their lives and their values so that not earning a lot of money doesn't impact their psyches in a damaging way and um, disrupt their their um, their lives and, and upset their level of comfort that they have chosen for themselves. So yeah. it's, just, it's something to really be conscious about. Um, if you're thinking about becoming a farmer, is really thinking hard about what your goals are, what your needs are, and, and how much um, money you need in order to, to, to meet your goals. Right. And stocking up on wool socks ahead of time. Because <laughs> <laughs> even if you knit them yourself, they're still kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, so... To, sorry, go ahead. No, you can go. Well, I was just going to say what you're going to do um, farming-wise next year. Um, so, like, do you do any animals? We, we don't do any animals. Um, we have bees. And, and the reason why we don't have animals is um, we is, again, the same sort of thing, is our, our workforce is not reliable enough to know that we have somebody on the farm every day. Um, the, a big goal that we're going to do that we have for next year is we're going to try to build a really small house. And um, this is sort of a first step in being able to have animals. Um, we were going to have chickens last year. We are going to, like, take a little, you know, first we have bees and then we have chickens. But my roommate decided instead that she wanted to get married instead of having chickens. Um, and I thought that was a good choice. So she decided that she was going to... So she got married in July and then moved off the farm. So we just decided we still weren't stable enough to have even chickens. But maybe next year if we get our house built, then we would know that we have a place people can stay. Um, and hopefully we might have... More, I think there'll be at least two people living on the farm, and maybe more for the whole season. And then I think we could start having some animals. Um, what? But what are we going to do different? Yeah, we're going to we're going to build a house, and that's going to be a really big difference. Um, um, I don't know. I think we'll have to work harder to keep the deer out. The deer seem to have found our farm um, just this fall, and I they are making it now their home. So. That's something else we'll have to figure out in the spring. But I, yeah, I should have something better <laughs> that no, we're going to do. No, you're fine. Different. You're fine. Well, I just wanted to know if you knew about other um, other Catholic worker farms around the country that um, people might tap into, or um, is there a, kind of a web a web presence or a place where people can get themselves um, informed about this movement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the if people are interested in the Catholic worker movement in general, there is a really good Catholic worker website, and I don't know the address, but it's easy to find. And it has a directory of all Catholic worker houses. And, um, and if people are interested in Catholic worker farms in particular, our, our farm publishes um, the Catholic worker farmer, which is a fall and spring paper publication that is, has like submissions from different Catholic worker farms. 
I think it's the only Catholic Worker Farmer publication out there. Most Catholic Worker Houses publish their own paper. But, yeah, we do this one for the farms. So if anybody wants to, they could contact me, and I would put them on our mailing list, and they would get that if they just wanted to know about the movement in general. So 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 Catholic Worker does seem to have come from a newspaper and continues to be very much about... um, about publishing and about sharing um, in the work and creating a community, um, like a, in a literary, a literarily driven community around the work. And 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 what else are you what are you talking about in the newspaper? I mean, is it just a report of the season, or is it insight from from doing the work, or what? What is? Tell me about that kind of publishing part of your work. Yeah. So so this issue, the theme was nonviolence. And I've been trying to kind of address some of the main themes of the Catholic worker movement. Um, And so I asked our regular farmers to write about farming in relation to nonviolence. And some of them did it and some of them didn't. So it's a real... The paper is pretty... um, It's pretty, like, friendly or something. It's it's very... um, some of the houses send me just kind of a sort of chatty, like, update of their season. And, and there are a few essays that are a little more formal. Um, there was an essay about Luddites and, um, you know, stepping away from technology in this paper. Um, there was one about, like, the industrial agricultural system and then there was one about the Ten Commandments, and um, I mean, it was just a—it was a very. The following is brought to you by the new. Po- oh, hello. hello, hello, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> All of a sudden, the person was talking to me. <laughs> it wasn't me. I think it must have been another radio thing coming in. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so it, it, basically, people are talking about their um, experience uh, and lives, um, reflecting on the Ten Commandments. And yeah, it was it's just a total. It's a total variety. Like one was about growing onions, um, and yeah, I mean ours. Yeah, there's usually one from a number of farms, like maybe six to ten little short articles. Cool. One of the I, things we've been talking about a lot at Greenhorns is. Um, and we've taken the first few steps in that direction is to publish a physical broadsheet, mm-hmm. um, kind of inspired by the broadsheets that we read about that were in the same kind of time period um, during the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, folks talking to each other about social justice and about certain um, people-powered movements and informing each other about what, in, what particular industries are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that in the company town context. And um, as we go into the next year and are coming towards a time when there's this Department of Justice hearings about the consolidation in agriculture, we felt like one of the things that we could do is to create some publications about um, about that concentration and mm-hmm. to reclaim that um, the small-scale press way of communicating even though our blog is pretty good at um, was pretty good at talking about stuff, we thought it'd be nice to 
put the the effort into um, the formatting and where how do you guys how do you guys manage to publish your paper? Do you go to a little press? No, I um, and the the papers is is pretty much my project. I usually um, I go to the copy shop and I. You know, I mean, I, it's a lot of, like, actual paper cutting and pasting, and then I photocopy it, and I staple it, and I address it and mail it out. Um, so wow. It's, it's pretty low-tech. <laughs> yeah, but that's less intimidating than having to figure out to convince a printer. I think I'm going to try and convince a printer because that's... It's I think I'm going to try and convince a printer. That's also part of the intrigue for me is being able to convince a printer. Anyway, you've inspired you've, you. Your your newspaper that I get that I got already, I think t- twice or three times since I met mm-hmm. you, has been a major inspiration behind that. So, if it well, comes again, into fruition, it'll it. certainly be on our mailing list. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, would you mind telling everybody um, before we um, wrap up? Would you mind telling everybody the? Um, online address to to find you and so that they can call you if they want to be on your mailing list? Yes. The website is mustardseedfarm.org. Was that clear? That was very clear. Okay. So Uh, if anybody's interested in the Catholic worker movement and interested in the Catholic worker farmers, um, of whom Alice is really one of the um, coordinating nodes, um, they should go and check them out online. You should also come back and check out our blog, www.thegreenhorns.wordpress.com, for lots of updates about what's going on um, across the country, different things that we've discovered, events, job opportunities, land opportunities, videos, and gossip um, for young farmers, by young farmers. Um, We hope that you will continue to listen. As the show goes on in the new year, we've got a really great set of folks coming up. Um, we had a, a Young Farmers Conference last, oh my gosh, only last week or two weeks ago at the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture in Westchester County, New York. And there I met a whole bunch of great young farmers who I'm thrilled to have on the show. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fun people. So check back. Um, this is Greenhorns Radio brought to you by Hearst Family Ranch and Greenhorns and Heritage Radio Network out of Brooklyn. We thank them so much for their work, and thank you so much for your work. Um, Have a lovely Christmas to you all, and thank you, Alice, for joining us. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye.